Hello to Bridgetown Church and all of you watching online. I'm John Mark Homer. And I'm Bethany Allen. Welcome to the teaching portion of Bridgetown Church Online. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. In April of 1959, then-Senator John F. Kennedy made a famous speech on the danger of Cold War with Russia and the threat of nuclear holocaust, which at the time was brand new and really scary. In it, he said that, quote, when written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and one represents opportunity. President Kennedy's trope has since been reused by everybody from Condoleezza Rice to Al Gore. Now, I did a little digging, and I'm sad to say Kennedy was wrong on his translation of the Mandarin word weiji. The idea of opportunity is not really in there. But I think the point he made was right. In a crisis, there is a danger, but there is also an opportunity. One journalist in an article for Medium coined a new English word, opisis, as in like opportunity. I doubt that will catch on. It's not good. And crisis. But there is no doubt we are facing a crisis mm-hmm. in our city and our state and our nation and all across the world with the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. But the question for us as followers of Jesus is, what is the opportunity? And I don't mean that in an opportunistic sense. I, I'm really wary of that. A lot of people are about to get rich and exploit the vulnerability of so many people. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, every cloud has a silver lining, though I'm sure there is truth in that. I mean, what are the invitations of Jesus in the crisis that we are all living through? On that note, let's read from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 20. For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul's wake-up call to the church in Ephesus in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as wise not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The word opportunity is translated time in other translations. In Greek, it's the word kairos. Can you say that right now at home or in your apartment? Kairos. There are actually two Greek words, not one, for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is where we get our English word chronological. It means time in the sense of minutes and hours and days, all based on the Earth's rotation around the sun. The chronos right now is 10.30 a.m. You look to your watch for the chronos. Kairos is a bit harder to translate into English. It means time in the sense of the moment in time or the opportunity. It's based on the work of God or the enemy in human history. You look to the news or to a prophetic sense in your heart for the kairos. Mm. One Greek lexicon defines it as a, quote, decisive moment. Another as a, quote, fateful and decisive point in time. 
It's the word used by Jesus earlier in the gospels. My kairos has not yet come. And he's referring to the time of his death and resurrection. Here's a few other ways to translate Paul's language into English. The old school King James has redeeming the time because the days are evil. The ESV has making the best use of the time. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Two Greek scholars recommend take full advantage of every opportunity. And Paul's wake-up call to the church in first century Ephesus could not come at a better moment for the church in 21st century Portland and beyond. Mm -hmm. We are living in a Kairos moment. COVID-19 has disrupted the world. Business as usual has ground to a halt. Travel, commerce, work, all shut down. Restaurants, bars, even heart coffee. It is the end of the world. Shut down. Cultural institutions, museums, live music, the church even shut down. The West is being brought, by that I mean church in the building, not the church. Mm -hmm. The West is being brought to its knees. All the idols we put our faith in to usher in the kingdom of God without the king, science, technology, Washington, D.C., startup culture, the gig economy, hedonism, secular humanism, all of them have literally no power against a microbe that is wreaking havoc across the world. Mm. Are you feeling disturbed yet? Is that a rhetorical yes. question, Bethany? Uh, no. Is your daily, rune, your daily routine disturbed? disturbed, your work disturbed, your income disturbed, all of the things that we look to for comfort outside of Jesus disturbed, church itself disturbed. And this Kairos moment of disruption is an opportunity, but it's also a vulnerability. Yeah. Note Paul's line, because the days are evil. We live in a time with a very real enemy, and like any good enemy, he goes after our most vulnerable places. Now, what I mean by enemy is that behind things like illness and suffering, there is a more malevolent spiritual power at work who is, in the language of Jesus, seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Vulnerability, by definition, is a place of exposure. It's an opening, which means that every vulnerable place in us, particularly those entry places of Jesus, can also be the place where the enemy tries to exploit and manipulate us to his ends. So what we want to do with our time together today is explore four opportunities that come to us through the Kairos moment of disruption that we're in the thick of and their corresponding vulnerabilities. First off, In a culture of hurry, overload, exhaustion, and noise, this kairos moment of disruption is an opportunity for slowing down, rest, solitude, and quiet. In Western chronos time, we live with little to no margin. Margin has been defined as the space between your load and your limits, between work in a careerist culture and the urban playground of restaurants and the rest and running from event to event and digital distraction and online streaming. Most of us live with very little space or time to just breathe and rest and sleep and reflect on our life before God in the quiet. It's been said that the West is money rich, but time poor, Mm -hmm. meaning um, most of us have a lot of money, at least compared to the rest of the world, but we have very little time. Mm -hmm. But now for the first time in a long while, Mm -hmm. many of us have less money, but more time, no commute. Some of you have no work for a bit or income stream, no eating out, no meeting up with family or friends, no travel. We have time and we have a lot of time at home. The question is, what will you do? What will Bethany do? What will I do with our time? 
One way to think about the coronavirus, just to frame it, the shutdown, is as a kind of involuntary Sabbath or even a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking the last few days, and I think we put this in the Bridgetown Daily, but about how in the Old Testament, God warned Israel that if they neglect the practice of Sabbath and the sabbatical year, where every seven years they would let the land rest, which was an act of both social justice and really environmental care, Mm -hmm. that if they were to neglect it, he would carry them away into exile until... Here's a quote from Chronicles, the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. That makes me think of Wayne Mueller's idea in his book on the Sabbath, that if we neglect the Sabbath, illness or injury will often, not always, but become our Sabbath. Mm -hmm. We know that even at a scientific level, when we don't give enough time to rest and recovery, our immune system is compromised, which is more dangerous now than ever before. They are saying that you can hear the birds in Chinese cities for the first time in years. They're saying the water in Venice is the clearest it's been in decades. Now, I'm not saying, and please hear me out, that COVID-19 is God's judgment on the world for our workaholism and lack of Sabbath or lack of care for the environment. But I am saying that we could view this as a chance for margin and sleep and rest and time really in the quiet for prayer and reflection. I think the opportunity in the shutdown is to take all of that extra time that we have on our hands and give it back to God as an act of devotion. In Paul's language, that's the, quote, wise way, not just to pass the time, but to redeem it, to buy it back, to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. The vulnerability, as I see it, is that we waste all of that extra time, that we just disappear into the black hole of Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever your online streaming platform of choice is. We get off our rhythm and routine and we just waste time online. The result will be escape from reality rather than an encounter with God in reality. Secondly, in a culture of apathy and hedonism and contented worldliness, this Kairos moment of disruption is an opportunity to awake to spiritual passion and robust apprenticeship to Jesus. In Western Kronos time, we, particularly those of us who live here in Portland, we live in a world where pleasure and doing what feels good rules the day. We are people really conditioned for personal comfort, conditioned to expect and even pursue, oftentimes at a cost to ourselves and our souls, the best of life. So good food, good wine, good sex, the best restaurants, the best coffee, yes, the best yes. clothes. We regularly, whether we know it or not, we practice self-indulgence, often gluttonously so, until we no longer are hungry for anything outside of our own pleasure. But as of this week in our city, the places many of us have often found fodder for this kind of living, those restaurants, those coffee shops, those social outlets, they've all been closed, leaving us stripped in so many ways of what we have used to live and to live well. Now, of course, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, some of these things actually reflect the realities of the kingdom of God. But the problem is when this way of life is elevated and consumed more than the realities and ways of the kingdom of God, our availability for God's work in our lives is actually distracted and muted and numbed, meaning that we miss so much of what God is doing and inviting us into. I've wondered a lot this week about what this forced abstinence will mean for us as apprentices of Jesus, what this stripping downs of our comfort and our luxuries will do for our souls. I think the opportunity before us in this mandated quarantine is pretty profound because I wonder what if we allowed this moment to call to us, like Paul's line in verse 14, to wake up, sleeper, arise 
from the dead and Christ will shine on you? What if this moment became our wake-up call experience to actually a more radical and robust apprenticeship to Jesus, to new spiritual passion, to things like prayer and renewal and our worship and our commitment to faith and to other people, to even awaken us to a greater obedience and trust and holiness and sacrifice? What would happen in our lives and what would happen in our city if we actually responded this way? I think the vulnerability for a lot of us here will be to continue to numb ourselves, to find new ways to lean into apathy and indulgence, and to numb and to medicate ourselves in whatever ways that we choose to do that, to let our disciplines go, to sleep in a big amount, to be lazy in how we care for our life and even how we care for those around us. All of which, by the way, will keep us from what our souls actually want and need. Right. So I wonder what if this week, if we, you sacrificed screen time, you went to bed early, you got up even earlier with an intent and a desire and even a discipline to seek God. So good. Third, in a culture of greed, mass consumptionism, and waste, this Kairos moment of disruption is an opportunity to exercise faith and to move towards simplicity and generosity. In Western Kronos time, the default setting is Amazon Prime, (laughs) click, buy it now, see you tomorrow afternoon. It's materialism, it's instant gratification. Shopping is now, or at least it was until a few days ago, the number one leisure activity in America, a place that was once reserved for religion just a generation ago. Mm. I think I speak for many of us when I say that my greatest anxiety and fear and like heavy heart that I'm praying about before God day after day is the economic fallout of the virus on our church. And I don't just mean the 501c3 of Bridgetown, but the people in our church. And I've been noticing on that note, an interesting kind of uptick in my own heart. As you know, over the last year, we have been calling our church to greater generosity than ever before, in part to raise money for the building that we're in the basement of right now. But more than that, to become more like Jesus. And my wife and I, I don't know if the same is true for you, Bethy, have been on a growth curve toward greater giving. But the second all of this hit, I immediately felt my kind of self-preservation survival instinct kick in. I was, this is embarrassing, but I was shopping online for a new pair of boots at the time because (laughs) the pair I have are too small, which is tragic. And I was thinking about, also thinking about giving money away to somebody we know in need right now. But the moment it hit, I just felt my heart constrict. My reaction was don't spend or give a penny. But actually now is the time when we as followers of Jesus need to move not towards spending or even towards saving for a lot of us, but towards simplicity and generosity. Many of us are not affected at all by the virus at an economic level, or if we are, it's minimal. But many in our church are. Many have lost jobs or income streams or hours over the last week, in particular the poor. Hourly workers in our church, as well as small business owners and entrepreneurs and freelance creatives. The opportunity in the shutdown is really for us to rally as a church and for those of us that have extra to share with those in need. To continue giving to Bridgetown Church, as you all know, we're in a key time with the building remodel, just in the irony of it, just a few weeks away from finish, but even more with those in our community who are in need. Our dream is that in your Bridgetown community, you would take care of every member in your group, that it would be said of you as it was said of the church in Acts chapter two, there were no needy persons among them. We do have dollars set aside in the church budget for benevolence and our elders and our board of directors are reallocating resources 
into that fund. So as you give to Bridgetown, you know, you are giving to those in need, but most benevolence is done and it's by far best done at the community level. Mm. That said, this shutdown is really, it's, it's a chance for all of us, those with extra and those without money to pay the rent, to exercise our faith muscle and to trust God to provide for our community and for one another. But the vulnerability, I think, is that we just give in to that self-preservation instinct or even worse, and we hoard and we buy up all the toilet paper in town, Mm. which apparently I was not even aware that was a thing until it was all gone. (laughs) But who would have thought the things you don't think about until the last week? Or even worse, that we spend money right now on things we don't need. What if instead we moved towards simplicity and generosity. Yeah. Lastly, um, in a culture of individualism, this Kairos moment of disruption is an opportunity, we believe, to deepen relational ties and move toward community. Right. Now, in Western Kronos. That's right. Yeah, Take it. Kronos. Kronos right? time. I understand that this can actually feel contrary to how we operate as a society, pretty much as a whole. Yeah. And even more so as we consider this week's mandate for social distancing. How do we deepen relational ties and move towards community when we're supposed to be six feet apart? The no side hug uh, this morning is really, killing me. Yeah, and we have to keep our distance the whole bit. In his New York Times article this week, Frank Bruni, I believe, rightly observed that social distancing is an oxymoron because he says, how is distancing ever social? To pull together, we must stay apart. He also says it's a kick in the gut, and I would agree. Uh, The opportunity, I think, here in a quarantine like this is actually the gift of time and freedom and even forced presence, all of which I think can deepen relationships and even cultivate a deeper and probably more realistic and true understanding of life in community. Now, before you think I'm crazy, I just want to say a bit more about that. Historically, there have been many moments like this in in our church history, like uh, like times in culture and in history that actually speak to relational uh, relational ties being strengthened through crisis. I think about the Romans' persecution. I think about the Holocaust, even 9-11. In these times, the church actually rallied and grew in number, and not just in number, but in depth of relationship to one another. And then when I think about this particular moment, I think about the families who, for the first time in years, if ever, are eating dinner together every mm. night. Wow. Kids who are actually in the same room, in the same place with both of their parents. I think about the wives and the husbands who are taking daily walks yes. with actual time to be together and to hear one another. I think about those roommates who are usually ships passing in the night, and now they are ships in the harbor, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> and even for those of us, I think, who live alone, we now have the chance to actually check in and make phone calls and send texts, to call our parents, to call our siblings, to write letters, to send cards. I sent my first card this week. Well done. Uh, even to connect and to do that safely, you know, within the six. Whoever the recipient is, rule. spray it with disinfectant <laughs> before you read. Yes, please do. And then I think really just be intentional in a more relational way. So I think this is a really extraordinary opportunity and time for us. Now, at the heart, I think, of crisis, we often find fear and isolation. And fear always causes us to withdraw and to retreat and to look to ourselves, kind of to keep ourselves safe. But I think as the people of faith, we have a really unique opportunity right now to lean in and to be people who let crisis actually draw us into greater relational faithfulness and presence, not away from it. 
I think our greatest vulnerability in this season is going to be isolation. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of temptations to go further into ourselves and to think individualistically and honestly, ultimately, more fearfully, which means that we as Bridgetown, we are going to choose to show up. We're going to show up every week virtually to our Corona Immunity. <laughs> which is officially a, the new name. I think it's a rebrand. Bridgetown Corona Immunity. <laughs> Corona Immunity. Tuesday at 6.30. We're going to show up to those things, and then we're going to choose to practice things like the Show up via Zoom. Via Zoom. Or Google Hangout. Virtually. Just to clarify. However you decide to do that. <laughs> and then you're going to choose to practice things like the buddy system. Pick one person in your life or your community and, and be in touch with them every single yeah. day. Be committed to asking them what their needs are, how they're doing, checking in. And then I think ultimately the call here is just to move towards people, to move towards others virtually and to get off social media, to actually pick up the phone, to make a call, to take walks, to have those hard conversations you've been putting off for a while and to speak words of life to other people, to look them in the eyes, even if it's over a screen and to really show up. Bethany, I'm hearing you say that, you know, the invitation of Jesus is really to step up right now, to, yeah. to lean in, to take agency, but the temptation of the enemy is to step back and kind of devolve a bit. Is that, is that what yeah. I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think despite how it seems, I believe we're, we actually have an invitation of Jesus here in this moment to shift our world in really real and powerful ways. It's a proven fact that in times like these, times of quarantine and isolation and even forced slowing down, that some of the most brilliant minds in the history of our world produced their greatest work. For example, in 1665, Cambridge University closes down due to the widespread of the bubonic plague. And during his time of isolation, Sir Isaac Newton created and developed calculus. Like you do. Like you do. The law of motion, the law of gravity. I don't understand that because in the, maybe this is just like the textbook when I was a kid, he was under an apple tree. Was he breaking quarantine? Listen, I have no idea what was happening Not with Isaac. in place. No idea. But anyway, he did all these things and he yes. did it in a time of in quarantine time. and in isolation. And he's just one example. So absolutely no pressure, but we have high expectations for a few of you <laughs> out there. Reinvent science. <laughs> Thank you. And I think too, aside from the baby boom that's bound to happen, <laughs> oh my um, gosh. let's be real. That is one way to pass uh, the time. I wonder really what could happen if we actually seized this moment and allowed it to actually be a birthplace for new ideas and new dreams and new inventions and really new passions. I think the, the encouragement here is to not let yourself devolve. Instead, I think it's actually time to take responsibility and to really exercise those creative muscles for what God's put into your heart. That said, you know, it's the Chinese military strategist Sun Zi, who in his famous book, The Art of War, said, know your enemy. Mm -hmm. And so here is how we think the enemy wants to exploit you and me and Bethany in the crisis. Get us wasting copious amounts of time streaming The Walking Dead, scrolling on social media until your face is blank, reading clickbaity news until like you're just freak out, staying up late, off all of your rhythm, overeating, overdrinking, hoarding all of your money, giving less and less, but shopping online, all alone, not in community. I hate Zoom, not at virtual <laughs> Corona immunity, in your head in isolation and on por porn. Yeah. That, how does that sound like a spring for you? Does yeah. that pair well with pastel? Not great. But I really do think that is the enemy's agenda to exploit you yeah. in the weeks to come. Yeah. And with that, we actually think that Jesus has a, a plan to even expand you in this Kairos moment. And he wants to do that. And I think he wants to do that 
by getting you up early and inviting you to read the scriptures and to pray into the quiet before you start your day, to start your day even at peace with God, rest with God, practicing his presence all day long, spending a lot of time in rest and quiet and reflection, practicing self-control in your mind and in your body, giving as much as you can, even if it's out of your poverty, talking to your family and friends, connecting with them in a deep way, deepening your ties to your community, and really to live with eyes open for what God has for you day to day. So to end, how do we do all of this? Well, short answer is I think there's never been a better time than now Mm -hmm. to come up with a rule of life. In our recent practice on a rule of life just a few months ago, we defined a rule of life as a schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that make space for what Jesus called abiding and kind of allow us to live in alignment with our deepest desires. And the idea of a rule of life is, you know, likely more or less appealing to you based on your personality and your preference. Are you high P in the Myers-Briggs or higher J? But whatever your personality is, to live with wisdom in Paul's language requires a balance between structure and spontaneity, or in more mythological language, chaos and order. And I think as a general rule, in times of chaos, the need is to move toward order. In times of disruption and fear and panic and everybody's off the routine and all alone, we need to move toward, not away from, a rule of life. It comes as no surprise that the rule of life, um, the rule of St. Benedict, which was really in the 6th century, the first ever kind of (laughs) rule of life to go viral, that's not the way to say it, to go widespread, came at a fascinating time, the decline of the Roman Empire as the empire was falling apart. Visigoths sacked Rome. Mm -hmm. Literally, law and order was a thing of the past. And so the monastery and the rule of life became the center, this bedrock in the middle of the river, the center of calm and serenity and abiding prayer and good work and even the preservation of culture in a sea of chaos. To that end, we have created a Bridgetown recommended rule of life for the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) Take that, internet. What a title. That is available at bridgetown.church. And basically, on behalf of our elders and team, we recommend seven daily practices. Here it is really fast. One, start the day in quiet and prayer and in scripture reading before you touch anything digital, before Instagram or news or social media or what happened in the last eight hours, before ideally, if at all possible, before your kids are awake, start the day in quiet with God. Two, create some kind of a gratitude ritual. Um, It's really easy. I don't know what you do. I just write out three things every morning that I'm grateful for. And then at dinner, we go around the table as a family and say what we are grateful for that day. Mm. Three, exercise or go for a walk if at all possible. Six feet distance, all of that. But um, remember, you don't have a body. You are a body in biblical theology. And sometimes the best way to deal with anxiety is not to go up into your head, but back down into your body and get your heart rate up and sweat and breathe in fresh air and get it out of your system. I think that's more important now than ever before. Four is um, a focal practice. That's the language of Albert Borgman. He's a philosopher I love on media. All he means by a focal practice is something that will draw your mind and your body to, to a focal point on in your body 
and in the moment. So it can be anything that you love, walking, gardening, woodworking, making love to your spouse, cooking, reading, poetry, art, playing chess. I mean, any number of things that just when you're there, you're there and not somewhere else in your mind. Five is relational touch point with a close friend, family member, or your buddy from Corona Immunity. <laughs> um, again, we literally have put our whole church on the buddy system for the next few weeks. Just reach out, connect. If that's a text message, fine, or a phone call or a yeah. FaceTime, just to reach out and move toward relationship. Six, limit intake of news to one to two times a day. Set a time every morning at nine or every evening at seven or whatever for it. And then seventh, limit screen time and escapist behaviors like social media, TV, alcohol, sugar, fat, staying up late, all of that stuff. Yeah, and we recommend three weekly practices as well. First, we would invite everyone to join us to pray and fast on Tuesdays, which yes. is something we're doing as a church. And by join us, we mean sign up for Instagram Live Show up prayer at 7 a.m. Instagram yes. and fast with us. Yes. And then we'd also say show up virtually to your Corona immunity. Like yes. every week, make a commitment to be there and to show up to people around you, but also to yourself. And then we'd also still say practice Sabbath and come and worship with us on Sundays like you do regularly. And I'm sure that sounds like a lot, but we have the time. Yeah. The question is, how will we spend the time? To end, I love Paul's line in verse 10 from our text, find out what pleases the Lord. Mm -hmm. And a great way to start your day is, again, just in the quiet, get up, breathe for a few minutes, just let that regulate, let yourself come to peace and the serenity Become aware of the Trinitarian community of love and joy and peace that is all around you, that is in you at the depth of your being. And then at some point, just to open your mind and your imagination to the Spirit's deposit in your brain and just ask God, is there anything that would please you today? Is there anything that you want me to do? How do I make the most use of the time? So even now, just to end, wherever you're at right now, in your apartment or your home or your living room, or if it's warm enough on your back deck, I invite you just to close your eyes, to ground yourself in your body, let your feet touch the floor, feel the chair or couch just holding you up. Remember that God himself is holding you and the world up. I urge you in the language of Colossians, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts. Since as members of one body, we are called to peace and be thankful, end quote. One of the best ways to fight anxiety is to practice gratitude. So why don't you just take a moment, draw to mind something that you're grateful for, a roof over your head, a community, a family member, a loved one, fresh air in your lungs. Just draw it to mind, give thanks. Thanks. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. As many of you know, we recently bought a church building on the inner east side of Portland and are just about done with the remodel. The plan is to move in late April or early May, depending on what happens with the coronavirus. And we just want to ask that you would continue to give to Bridgetown Church without uh, our Sunday gatherings. We're in a little bit of a vulnerable space. This is a really key time for us at a financial level, and we're really ready to flex that muscle of generosity. And so we just ask that you would continue to give. Or for those of you that are not a part of Bridgetown Church, but you listen along to the podcast, if you at all feel the Spirit of God lead you to give to support the work of our church and our new building project, we would be so grateful. You can give online at bridgetown.church give or find out more at our webpage. Love to you all.